Welcome to the Apologetics.com radio show, where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. My name is Harry Edwards, and I'm going to be your host for this evening. And joining me in the studio are Lenny Esposito and Dr. Jacob Daniel. And we have lots of stuff to talk about this evening. Oh, my. I know. It's a slow news week, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was mentioning to you guys earlier that for any originalists out there, um, and I'm talking about the U.S. Constitution originalists, uh, this has been a a good couple weeks. My goodness, right? This is, to be honest, I mean, I'm no expert on this, but I don't remember any other period in the last few decades, I think, where you've had... A lot of good things happening in like ten days. I think yeah. you know, mm-hmm. one is the uh, education in Maine, where uh, apparently it's okay to use government funds uh, and use them toward uh, to Christian not, schooling to not, to not bias Christian it, schooling. It's not biased. Yeah, I guess it, it's all up to the parents. Funding. It's a yeah. parents' decision. Now, and, Harry, you always ask me what's the reason behind my optimism. Yes, this is it. <laughs> this it's getting there. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about the cracks in yeah. the third world. We'll, we'll we'll flesh that out later. But uh, the other thing is uh, the whole Second Amendment got upheld uh, in New York, right? Yep. And then, of course, what what just happened today? Yeah, overturning Dobbs versus. Jackson, Jackson. Uh, yeah, in the uh, in the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Ferguson, which is huge. Yeah, that is a that is a landmark uh, decision that makes, uh, and it doesn't ban abortion mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. It is, as one commentator said, it is right. the end of the beginning of the right. fight, and now Giving it goes. It, it gets to. Put back it, the arguments get put back into play is what I said earlier. The arguments get now the arguments are now in play and you get to engage them. You can't just have somebody say, "Well, it's the law of the land," and, and shut you down that way because that's no longer true. Right. But to me, also, it communicates and signals a very uh, valuable uh, thing that we have here, and that is that life is indeed valuable. Mm-hmm. It's not something in the in the. Um, it's not. Found in the Constitution as right. as you have the right to deprive a life. It's not a right. Basically, yes. it says that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Exactly. Right. 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 Exactly. And so that's always interesting, right? About just um, how people view rights. Um, it, it's almost like uh, what what is a right? You know, uh, and in today's understanding, almost every advantage that one can yeah. get is a right. And Constitution does not confer right. And that's that's, right. that's a that's good the, statement. That's right. It that's recognizes right. the right. Yes. Right. Given ultimately by God. That's you know. Right. But Harry, I have to read this. I mean, for me, this was a moment to just uh, remember Chesterton's statement. He said that this at least five times the faith has to all appearances gone to the docks. In each of these five cases, it was a dog that died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. This is an evidence of one of the dogs dying. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the practical outcome is actually fascinating. They, they think that practically um, the ruling will immediately depress abortions between 13 to 15%. Mm. So, for example, th- all three abortion clinics in uh, the state of Louisiana have closed. Oh wow! Uh, Texas abortion clinics have closed. Uh, I believe Oklahoma abortion clinics yeah. are now closing, and, and this is telling on a number of levels. It's because the states had laws that were that were in suspension until those court ruling came out. Now that the court ruling came out, tr- trigger laws. They had trigger yeah. laws that, that came in, yeah. but the other question is: if you remember the the uh, rhetoric of. Planned Parenthood, they would say, oh, well, only 3% of our budget really comes from abortion services. So why are you closing all these clinics then? <laughs> what what exactly yeah. was the percentage of yeah, your... I know. I because know. they would subdivide uh, the procedure from every aspect other than that, and they, they would play with the numbers. So reality is is a cruel taskmaster. And right, right. when it shows up, all of a sudden, you've actually got to... You got to deal with it, but it's it's amazing that babies are going to be alive now because of yes. these decisions. But we also need to remember that ninety percent of the abortions are done before thirteen weeks Absolutely. of pregnancy, half of which is done by using pills. 
Yes, yes. The 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 so called um, what is it? The uh, post conception. Yeah, RU four eighty six. Yeah, it's basically the, the, after morning after morning after morning pill. After that was pill. the word yeah. I was thinking. And there's a, a pill that's used for basically when miscarriages happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I learned just listening to a, a lot of news outlets today is apparently even the United States, uh, even with its conservatism, is actually an outlier when it comes to abortion. Apparently, we are barbaric compared to some of the more progressive nations out there where uh, abortions after the second trimester are just just banned you know well many of them many of the uh, of the countries in europe that we compare ourselves to in other aspects that are socialists after 15 weeks yeah there you go yeah so sweden and and yeah nations of that nature after 15 weeks no you don't have abortions they're illegal yeah so we're going to be talking about some of these things what uh rife is calling death works and uh Rife is also calling uh, breaks in, in, in the third world cultures. So we'll flesh that out in, in just a moment. But um, if you're following along, we are discussing the second chapter of uh, Carl Truman's book, the uh, – what's the title again, gentlemen? The Rise, the rise and, and Triumph, triumph of, of the, the Modern, modern self. self. Yeah. yeah. So it's – a it's a cultural analysis of where we are currently, and as cultural apologists, it is our duty to understand culture because it's only by doing that are we able to communicate the gospel, and I am convinced of that. So Now, God can do anything that it, so long as it's not contrary to his nature, and he, could, he can have talking donkeys present the gospel, right? But... Uh, I believe God has given us wisdom uh, in order to communicate the gospel in these times. Again, it's kind of like what Paul did in Acts 17. Uh, we need to—the the message doesn't change, but the medium certainly, the method certainly can change. So, uh, gentlemen—oh, before I go on, I just want to remind our listeners that we are totally supported by your generous donations, and if you find our shows valuable and wish to see it continue, please support us by liking and sharing this on YouTube, uh, on your Facebook channels, Twitter, and other social media outlets. And you can also help us with your with our radio costs by going to our website, which is www.apologetics.com, and click on that Donate button. And any amount helps, and your partnership will help us remain on the air. We have a certificate program there. If some of these things turn you on, like you get really interested by these things, you think it's going to help your faith tremendously, I would recommend that you check out our fully online certificate program. And I always want to ask you guys, how are the ministries that you're involved with? Let's start with Lenny. How has come reason? What, what's, what's going oh, on? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's going well. We've been doing an Instagram uh, campaign last couple of months that's uh, been reaching a lot of people, doing a lot of different reels and things, and uh, also leading to various discussions with various uh, people of differing opinions, shall we say? So that's that's always interesting and always fun. And uh, but uh, yeah, I've got a couple of good teaching opportunities coming up. I'm uh, getting ready to prep a, a lesson for July 10th. That's entitled "What Does It Mean to Be a Human Being." What mm. what is a human? Because people are just confused about. We'll definitely the full talk nature. about that tonight. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So and and within the cultural context as yes. well. But it's going to be a, a, a fun time. So yeah, just uh, plugging along, getting that stuff done, getting as you also know, yeah, into the fundraising yeah. mindset for the fall and things yes, of that nature. Yes. Yes. And and may I ask how the what's the status of your book uh, deal? What, um, what's going on with that? It's still it's 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 as it was though. It's, <laughs> it's still still coming along, but hopefully we'll get that wrapped up fairly soon. So seems like Marvel is coming out with a movie every other every, month. Yeah, yeah and, and, and but man, there there's been a there's been a shift in the way that they've portrayed yeah. a lot of things. The last yeah. uh, Doctor Strange film is decidedly not only darker but 
different in its in its moral context. Mm. It's yeah. it is more third world, yeah. which is inter- oh, than, than and superhero movies tended to be very second world in their uh, yeah. approach. They're they're very externally morally driven, and 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 we're starting to lose some of that, which is fascinating to me, even in our culture. So we see like the rise of the antihero yeah. uh, across society as well, where people are just a moral yeah. guide within themselves. It is disappointing, but we shouldn't be surprised because when uh, Marvel got bought by Disney, yeah, right? And not too long ago, Disney announced that every show they make, uh, or 50% of all the shows they make, will have an LGBT flavor in it. That's what they said, so. Well, and they're, yeah, they're they're caving to, I mean, they've just announced today that they will pay for uh, their employees to travel to get abortions. Mm, wow. As a wow. response to Roe v. Wade, which for a company who's, Built on the backs of children and family entertainment, that's that's a bizarre self defeating stance. So, this only shows that no one's neutral when it comes to issues uh, concerning morality. Absolutely. What about you, Jacob? How's everything? It's been. Going well, it's been a busy season. And since we finished our conference, uh, Ah. I spoke on the very question of what does it mean to be a person, the longing for dignity at a few other gatherings and conferences. And and I'm also uh, contributing uh, on one of the podcasts under Fight, Laugh, Faced Network. It's called Water Break. Basically, the idea is to somehow um, generate an alternative media Mm. And that would take more of a biblical standpoint when it comes to what's happening in our culture. Okay. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be part of that. And, and it's always a joy to be here and to be speaking on go. things that matter. And the best part is uh, fellowshipping at Acapulco an yeah. hour before the show. Yeah. <laughs> with Lenny with uh, his one scoop of vanilla ice cream. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> we, we tell the uh, servers now, you know, they, they know. They know what Lenny wants. That's right. So let's, uh, let's get into this. Again, the second chapter of Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And again, we would encourage you, if you're listening, pick up this book. It might be uh, rough reading in the beginning, but I think it's well worth it. And if anything, you get introduced to a lot of these terms. Now, and, if you if yeah. you want a little bit, Carl Truman did recently release a oh. kind of condensed version of the book that's not quite as academic called Strange New Worlds. Oh, there you go. So you can pick up Strange New Worlds if you're interested in the ideas and get an overview. Uh, a lot more of the detail is in this book. This was his right. first book, but just FYI, that's available as well. And the uh, title of this chapter is Reimagining Our Culture. So if you've been listening to us at least the uh, the last Saturday of each month when we do the show, a lot of the emphases of our shows uh, are on cultural apologetics. And so this whole uh, title is not even very strange, right? Imagining our culture. And culture is just simply defined as what human beings make of the world. Uh, that's Andy Crouch's definition. I'd like to add to that if I can with all due respect, right? Uh, it's what human beings make in the world as well and it's really uh, not, nothing fancy. Culture is just what we make, and, and, and the, the make part is we create values, whether it's good or bad. We create things. We make movies. We write stories, and uh, we do our nine-to-five jobs. Um, so in, in a way, we are creators, just like uh, since we are created in God's image. God is a creator, and his image bearers are creators as well, and that becomes culture. Like a, a good analogy that's very helpful, somebody mentioned, let's say grapes would be God's creation. We make it into wine. That's culture, you know. So that that's kind of a, a, a good analogy. You have God's creation, and then what we make out of God's creation is culture. Philip Reif now uh, came up with these three 
terms uh, that are related to culture. And now, Philip Reif was a, a popular sociologist in the t- mid 20th century. He yes. wrote these, uh, he came up with these ideas about 1960s, I mm-hmm. think, is when he first published through them. So, just as a, and he's the one who saw these mass movements of society going from, and I think we talked about this last time, from the polis to the, uh, you know, the, the political man, yeah, to the religious yeah. man, to the economic man, and now to the psychological man. Those were, those were his kind of broad movements of how uh, societies and civilization has changed. And so what he's now looking at is how these societies base their understanding of morality and the rights and the wrongs that, that – they have to agree to, right? So Reif says the social order, that which embodies society's moral values, are, is the essence of civilization. And in used to be, or for most societies, it was that, that uh, the social order was always grounded in the sacred order, mm-hmm. whatever that sacred order would be. Right. Uh, and he talks about the three worlds, right? The yes. first world, the, the second the, world, and yeah. the third world. And uh, it, it's just... Important to make the distinction that these are not the uh, economic or geographic locations of countries or what now we call for the third world developing nations. It's this Completely is Philip Reif's own matrix, and he calls them first, second, and third world. And so now we want to talk about those things just to help you understand where he's getting some of these ideas. So first world would be how would you characterize a first world culture? The first world will be the pagan world. You know, just uh, one of the examples I would give is that uh, there was a pagan world in Europe before Christianity. And the second world will be uh, the the Christian world, just like there was a Christianity before America. However, uh, what we are seeing now is uh, more of societies evolving into a more of a secular uh, society. That's what Rife connects with the third world. Yeah, third uh, world culture. Third world culture. Yeah. So, yeah. so he says the first world culture is a world that uh, is governed by fates or yeah. or myths. If you think about the ancient Greeks, right? It's whatever the gods will is what the gods will is, and we can't get a the oracle at Delphi said X. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, we have to go to war. Oh, that so that was that would be a first world understanding. Is we we follow our lives, but our lives are actually dictated by the gods or by there's the fates. There's still a transcendent order. There's a, right. but, but we all agree that there is a god yes, or right. gods out there, and that's what we follow. The second world order uh, is faith-based, as you say. It, it becomes it – becomes, our morality is are we being faithful, vertical? Are we being um, properly appropriating – the teachings of God. So it's a little different because we have choices, right? In in Christianity, you aren't forced to do something. You can choose to believe. You can choose to not steal or to steal. You 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 have a freedom in your action. Yeah. But we all agree that there is a appropriate way to behave and that appropriate way is to follow the dictates of God. Rife puts it like the law codes were rooted in the will of God revealed in the Bible. Yes. So yes, that formed the foundation of the very moral structure or so, framework. So the first world is kind of fait accompli, but you know, you don't buck the gods because they're the gods and you're not. Second world is uh, you follow God because it's the appropriate and right thing to do and, and that's where our morals come from. Third world is, well... We can get together and discuss whatever our morals are based on what we feel like. Do we think that it should be that this person should be put down, or maybe uh, you know, we maybe we should extol the victims? Maybe not. Maybe the ends are the proper uh, way of measuring people, not necessarily the means that they got to those ends. Right. Uh, there is no sacredness. Versus- Yes, yeah. there's no. It, it's internal again versus yeah. external. So, yeah. so you have a society or a nation who who has certain values, who not merely looks within their society for their values, but really actually even shuns previous societies for the values of the present, which is wildly different than yeah. anything we've ever seen before. 
it 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 is literally we are bucking whatever religious or or social constructs of the past were because the unstated opinion is we're smarter, we're we're more enlightened, we're better than those ancient people of the past. Look at all the bad things that they did. Hmm. And if they did those bad things, then we're not doing them, then obviously we're better. So therefore, everything that we believe is better. I feel that, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I'm not just, <laughs> I feel that there might be a need to add a fourth world yeah. where the secular worlds behave like a religious world. Well, let's talk about that later because I think there are some experts in, in, in this area that are yeah. proposing for a fourth world. What would that look like, right? So remember the title of uh, our show I came up with, uh, Can We Resacralize a Third World cu- Culture? To, to me, that's always intriguing. Can, can that happen? And we all agree that b- before things get any better, it will get worse first. And yeah. uh, But again, we'll end with some of the what Philip Reif calls as, a, as cracks in the third world culture. So he's writing this several generations ago, and he's already seeing the cracks. And I, I think a big crack today was uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. The first and the second world cultures are very much, they're way closer than than they are from the third world yeah. uh, they're extrinsic to the first and second. Morality. Yeah. Morality has an extrinsic authority. Yeah. Something outside of ourselves yeah. that everybody has to look and, and yeah. agree to. The mimesis that yeah. we talked about That's during right. our la- last show. We just yeah. have to make it up. Uh, the final arbiter is really ourselves. I, I want to, I know uh, we're coming up on a station break pretty soon, but it's something that we should all think about. And uh, I'm going to lift a quote from the book here by um, by Carl Truman here. And uh, no, I, actually, this is uh, Philip Reif, and I'm going to, uh, Truman quotes Reif here, uh, culture and sacred order are inseparable. The former, uh, the former, the registration of the latter as a systemic expression of the practical relation between humans and the shadow aspect of reality as it is lived. And this is where it's, uh, this is pretty uh, uh, strong, in my opinion, strong language here that Reif is using. He goes, no culture has ever uh, preserved itself where it is not a registration of sacred order. There, cultures have not survived. The third culture notion of a culture that persists independent of all sacred orders is unprecedented in human history. That's kind of scary. So if the West is approaching total world culture, uh, a third world culture status, uh, do we have hope that this will survive? This, as we say, the great experiment of the U.S., right? Jacob, you and I were just talking about this on our drive up here, uh, the great experiment, you know. Uh, it's something to be admired and to be preserved. It's not perfect, but where else can you find anything close to this, right? And uh, so uh, these are uh, sobering words from Philip Reif. By the way, Philip Reif, I believe, was not a Christian even. I, I don't think so. But he, uh, toward the end, he became a fan of Christianity and I think was convinced of uh, some kind of deity. Mm-hmm. He might have been a mon- monotheist at some point. Yes. And we're seeing that today, right? So in popular figures like um, Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Peterson, Jordan Peterson, Tom Holland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, even Douglas Murray. Murray. Uh, they, they are not, we don't even know if they're actual believers in God, but they are definitely fans of the Christian worldview and what it's done for society as they compare it to other societies in the past. So I know uh, in in, in the last uh, 90 seconds we have, I'm curious, and we will continue this discussion after uh, our break. 
Do you guys think it's too strong by Rife to say this? What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, quote? I think I think his last sentence is interested because it says the third word notion of a culture that persists independent of all sacred orders is unprecedented in human history. I think that's true. I think he's never we've never seen it because yeah. we are by nature sacred animals. Hmm. Whether our sacred gene our 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 instinct is exercised through politics and some people take politics to be the sacred aspect more often than not now it's it's their um identity type thing but there's always there it's always has a religious overtone now in all of it because we need to have some kind of sacral aspect something that is beyond um question something has to be beyond us yes um yeah even though even though there's an inherent contradiction in in our society that these things are now our personal understanding our uh, so they're they're beyond us but they are us at the same time and this is also because culturally we have come to a place where we have not just uh rebelled against the idea of individualism but also the individual so there's yes. longing to belo- belong in some some kind of identity group, yeah. collective, and find meaning through that. Yes. Well, I think I hear the music, which signals a break. So if you're listening to uh, apologetics.com radio right now, we have been discussing chapter two of Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And we will be right back after a few messages. All right, let's get back to the apologetics.com radio show. Welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. I am Harry Edwards, your host for this evening. This is the uh, second half hour, and if you've been listening, we have been talking about Chapter 2 of Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It is something that we recommend highly because you will get a uh, bird's eye view of what culture is going through right now. Uh, it'll help explain why you feel uneasy about uh, today's values, why there are riots, why uh, people are so confused about their own identity, their sexual identity, and um, so on and so forth. Just everything that is wrong right now with culture, Carl Truman will help you understand what is going on here. So I think it's an important work. So we talked about... Uh, Philip Reif's um, classification of different cultures. He calls it first world culture, second world cu- culture, and third world culture. And um, I think the United States is is headed toward that right now. Um, although, like I said, F- Philip Reif uh, saw some breaks in that. Uh, even back then when he was writing, I think, um, was, was the book... Uh, published, I think, just before he... It, it, no, it was posthumously uh, uh, published, I, th- I think. And uh, it's where he talks about the breaks in uh, the death works, as he would call them. Let's just jump into that, gentlemen. Uh, death works, w- w- what does uh, Philip Reif mean by death works? He, uh, I'm quoting him here. Um, he says, a death work can be anything that sets itself in opposition to the second world culture. Basically, the idea is the sacramental is made into the excremental. Mm. Excremental. Excremental. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's not uh, it's not an abandonment of the the tenets of faith. Mm-hmm. It's a degradation of them. It's it's Making calling it them look e- ridiculous, evil, and dirty yes, and yeah. disgusting. Yes. I I think that f- follows, right? Wouldn't you say if meaning is lost, uh, then you must rebel against your existence because perhaps you might find meaning in that because nothing else makes sense to you. You have disassociated, you have unlinked yourself from the transcendent, from God. Then you're forced to look inward, yeah, but then yeah. you find that you're just empty. And when you actually distance yourself from the past, you become presentist. And I think that's a very clear reflection of our culture today. 
uh, when we are agitated or we are frustrated with something that we witness outside that does not conform with our personal feeling and preferences, we tend to rebel and we want changes to happen immediately, here and now. We can dialogue maybe later, but uh, it needs to be deconstructed here and now. Well, and that's what you, so deconstruction is a, is a trigger word. Yes. Right. Because we, we hear a lot of people who are deconstructing their Christianity the reason why these kinds of things are, are so is because if you want to set up a new ethical framework, you need to collapse the old one. Uh, uh, Truman quotes uh, McIntyre, notes that his idea of, of ethics that can exist only within some kind of a tradition. Hmm. McIntyre makes this point that there's no absolute ethical standard that sits outside of, say, Christianity or Islam or Buddhism or whatever the the, the tradition uh, and understanding of the world is. So if, if you have a tradition, then you're going to have an ethical standard. And the communists have recognized this. This mm-hmm. is why they've uh, – in communist Russia and in the China – The collective. Yeah, yeah. They, they bar uh, religious – Unless it's you know supposedly sanctioned, but for the most part they have political lessons over the week mm. instead of religious. So it's it's you have to you have to dismantle that in order to create a new tradition and a new therefore yeah. adopt the new ethical framework. And the change comes through revolution, not reformation. Right, that's right. Hence uh, the explanation of uh, the riots of two years ago. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. Right. But back to your death works idea, the problem with individualized, even collective society individualism, right? So if, if I'm part of a group and we all share a certain value, um, maybe Sierra Club or Greenpeace or whomever, you have, you have certain ecological values, then uh, you can start to say, well, Maybe it is worth – the trees are just as valuable or the pita and the pigs can be set free in the city or you know, whatever your modus operandi is, whatever your cause of the day may be, you can you, – you exercise it with abandon because that's, that's what's good for us. The problem is that those types of movements don't have any – real ends in sight. They don't have a full-fledged picture of, of mm-hmm. what the new society would look like. They only can point out what they don't like about the current society and destroy it. There is no picture of, well, what's the better what's the better construct? Because there is no yeah. construct. There's no there is no here's here's how life works in my world, you know. Yeah. Hmm. And we were just talking about the whole idea of personhood. And I think that happens there as well. Yeah. In that when we argue that there could be non-human persons, that we can extend personhood or confer personhood to other things or, or, or what is uh, connected with the whole idea of personhood to other things. I think in doing so, what we do is we end up annihilating the very idea of personhood. If everything can qualify to be a person, then nothing qualifies to be a right. person. That's true. In fact, uh, to your point, Lenny, it's true what uh, McIntyre's project was all about. Um, that uh, There's this quote here. Again, this is uh, Truman saying of McIntyre that actions can, be morally, can only be morally assessed only in terms of their ends. Right. And uh, that's very... Uh, uh, Aristotelian, that's very Thomist, and um, but not utilitarian. It, no, not 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 at all. N- definitely not. In fact, uh, he qualifies that here. Truman does. Um, th- there's a you were mentioning. There's a teleology to our actions. Um, they serve a purpose. Yeah. And uh, the other thing too is that um, it it helps us to focus on. The what is versus what ought to be, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, those are important things. Which, so, for yeah. example, Christianity w- has a long tradition of upholding the true, the good, and the beautiful, mm-hmm. right? The transcendentals, and what w- we find that God is the ultimate source of all truth. He's the ultimate understanding of all goodness, and is the ultimate exemplification of all beauty. So we see in God the perfections of these things to which we aspire. Therefore, as we draw closer to those 
goals, we also draw closer to the nature and image of God. We reflect his image as much as, as we can. Uh, that There is no image for the self-designated moralist the, 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 or the self-sourced moralist. And what's fascinating is that even today what we're seeing is the system starts to break down simply because of this. Uh, so, you know, Jacob, you had mentioned um, the, the different naming and, and removal of say, statues. Now, I remember a few years ago uh, when the Muslims were moving in through Afghanistan and different areas, they were, they were blowing up mm-hmm. Buddhist statues mm-hmm. and the historians and the archaeologists were coming off their chair. And many people in the West were saying, how can you remove these great yeah. ancient statues of 800 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we turn around and we see a whole lot of people pulling down a whole lot of statues in the South and changing the names of schools, uh, you know, while homeless are running through their streets. And uh, you start to say, well, how much different is this mm-hmm. really? Yeah, they're um, doing the same thing. Exactly. But there's, but what are you putting up in its place? What that's What right. is the goal? Yeah. And here. that's the difference between a revolution versus reformation, yeah. right? A revolution just seeks to destroy yeah. everything, and that's the death works. And the Americans need to understand this, is that they entered into a process that required a kind of moral framework, and that was available until a few decades ago, right? That's right. And that framework has been dismantled in that's one right. sense, and in so doing, we have disrupted the whole process, so, and we are trying to actually recreate something uh, out of thin air, basically, because we can talk all about deconstruction, yeah. but what is it that we are constructing? Right. There is no discussion on that. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote an article about, I said, watching the car crash of the college revolution where, you know, for years there was an idea, even in um, co-ed colleges, you had a boy's dorm and a girl's dorm. There was an understanding that human beings are inherently flawed that they will bend toward their appetites if given a chance, especially when they're young and foolish and think that they're invulnerable. And we have to police against that uh, for their good as well as for the good of the society. There are certain things that we we don't allow. Uh, In the sexual liberation revolution, those concerns were cast aside and is it any surprise that you get the Me Too movement <laughs> as a result of that? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, Ollie, Ollie, oxen free, we're going to have, you know, sex experimentation week in college where we're going to show pornographic films and think that that's not going to affect some percentage of the student population. It won't affect everybody, of course hmm. not. But there are the outliers. And so John Adams said, you know, this nation is only, will only work for a righteous and moral people. It just won't work for any other. And when you take that away, is it a surprise that you're seeing gun crime and mass shootings go up? No, because you always had that subset of the population, but that was suppressed by the cultural understanding of the day. You remove those guards and those ends of the curve are always going to peak. It's just the way human beings work. So with uh, Carl Truman's uh, thesis here about, uh, again, using McIntyre, Reif, and and Taylor, and and, and seeing where all of these things are, are, all of these authors are pretty much saying the same thing. I like how he points out that McIntyre moved from using emotivism Mm -hmm. to expressionism or expressivism. Expressivism, yeah. That that was uh, insightful and and good uh, call by uh, Truman because uh, Taylor, in in his works, uh, he's writing a little bit later, uses expressive the term expressive individualism to describe our culture so that that's i thought that was a good insight from emotivism to expressionism uh from from mcintyre because uh, it, it's not just sort of an inner feeling now it's it's expressive it's coming out now and i, I do want to talk a little bit about uh you hinted at it already when we're removing the statues we're rewriting history but we're not replacing it with with uh, something that's good or true. And this is, by the way, right, different, you guys acknowledge, um, when it comes to 
the revisionist, uh, we we do acknowledge some of the missteps of maybe history writers. Let's say right. probably you know missing some details or uh, n- not uh, focusing on the bad parts of let's say U.S. history, like slavery. That's definitely a bad thing, uh, uh, a shameful thing in uh, U.S. history. But that's certainly totally different than eradicating all of it. Imagine if the authors of the Bible were doing the same thing. <laughs> right. Right. If we're Nothing just would be left the... of Scripture. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a good example. Again, the difference between uh, a revolution versus a reformation. Well, that, and that's you, – you, so you get the language of, of critical theory, critical race theory, right? History is one long story of oppression. And when one holds such a view, the usefulness of history is not so much that it's a source of wisdom for the present, but it provides warning – as to how people were exploited in the past. Therefore, we can't learn anything from history. Right. Therefore, we become anti-historical. Right, right. And so that does not follow. Again, the Marxist worldview of just everything is is just uh, under the grid of oppressors and the oppressed. Uh, sure, that there are those classifications, but that's not all of history no. at all. Uh, I mean, obvious things were uh, – about, how about here? We can say for a period, right, the Nazis were the oppressors and the Jews were the oppressed. But that was a limited time in history. That's not how it is right now. So uh, I, I think we uh, get all messed up in our heads when we absolutize a lot of these ideas. Or people. And, and people, yeah. Uh, let's – since the overturning of – Roe v. Wade is such a hot topic now. Let's let's focus on that a little bit. So my thinking, if I'm going to apply McIntyre's and Taylor's idea of expressive individualism, we can make the connection that at one point in 1973, Roe wanted uh, an abortion, and uh, she said, uh, I, I need it. I, I must have it. Uh, why? Well, because just because I, I feel like I need to have it, right? And so, just based really on that, her she expressive. Had, I, I think Jane Roe had already uh, two or three children, and she or two children. She didn't want a third. That's right. But but the Bland parent. It was very much like the Scopes trial. It was they purposely uh, chose her to be the figurehead to take this all the way up to the Supreme Court. Mm. It, it was it was. It was coordinated. And she never had way. abortion. No, she by the time it yeah. by the time it hit the Supreme Court, she had already delivered the child. So oh, that, she already yeah, did. Right, yeah. right, right. So, but but, but, but she wanted one just out of you know convenience, right? Yes. And basically, that's her argument, right? And so th- that's a manifestation of a death work. Now, as opposed to let's say prior to all of this, that there was a, an acknowledgement of. Uh, the providence of God and uh, something transcendent beyond you that said you don't do this because that is a person that you're right. carrying, and it's it's kind of interesting, right? Because in most of life uh, we see anything that potentially becomes something as that thing itself. Let's so so we we safeguard against uh, eagle eggs, right? Uh, like it's a federal offense to actually take one or destroy one or I, I think even um, certain certain trees can't really be touched or harmed, right? I mean, because anything that is living will mature to its uh, final state. Uh, and yet when it comes to babies in the womb, somehow that dodges that criteria. I think we need to understand that personhood recognizes the potential potentiality, right? Uh, but it is not based on the exercise of the potential or potentiality. Yeah, that's what needs to keep in mind. If we actually disregard that, then we will look for uh, persons with potentials, right? Or potential persons. And that's a good play on words. That's nice to remember. Is it a potential person or a person with potential? Yeah, so yeah, very, very different. And we talked about this, Jacob, uh, last week actually, yeah. uh, really on this particular subject. And uh, we can blame all sorts of um, 
you know, thinking and historical eras on this. But essentially, when you don't have a transcendent figure that says that this is sacred, this is not to be messed with, then of course, you're left to your own devices. And so is it a blob of tissue? Is it uh, whatever it is? But it can't be a person right now, apparently. It cannot be a person. Because if it's a person, then you know, murder is wrong. That's very clear. So now we apply all these arbitrary criteria to to define what is inside the mother's womb. So that gives us all sorts of issues. Whereas, like you were saying in your project, uh, Jacob, that it used to be a brute fact yeah. that a person is just a person, period, not to be messed with, right? Mm-hmm. There's no other criteria that's necessary. Because like you were saying, it is hard uh, in your research. It is hard to actually define what a person is. And yet we know intuitively what a person is. Yeah. Again, the thing is that the shift that happened, the epistemic shift that happened from um, personhood as foundational to foundations of personhood. Mm-hmm, the right. same kind of right. So, right. Uh, so when we took personhood as foundational, everything uh, kind of like uh, came out of that, right? In terms of how we understood human dignity, how we actually treated each other, how we treated the unborn. Whereas when we started looking for foundations of personhood, and a personhood became uh, based on the markers, certain mark, external markers. That's where the question came. Is the baby person or not? Any guy, any one of you guys want to add to uh, s- sort of the complexities or what are some of the challenges that we face now? For, ins- for instance, we are now on the side of history where Roe v. Wade has been overturned. It would be naive to think that there's going to be less abortions. In fact, uh, I don't know, the states would divide over this yes, now. And absolutely. then uh, certain states might be the place to get abortion and things like that. Like uh, California. Like California, <laughs> exactly. pushing it? But um, we were talking about this during the break, but Right now, if you're a Christian, it's hard to align yourself with a particular political party. And I've been saying this for a while now with people I talk to about this. A certain political party actually advocates and encourages abortion. It's it's on their platform. And now that the discussion of abortion is at the forefront, I believe Christians ought to really do their homework in terms of how they understand this and where they side in this debate, yeah. in this dialogue. Yeah. I think it's it's not a gray area to say that murder is wrong. I think every Christian or and anybody with a conscience knows that murder is wrong. And yet uh maybe prior to Roe v. Wade or prior to this uh ruling we have just swept it under the rug type of a thing. It's become part of our culture, right? Yeah, you, you can no longer hide under we can Well, no there's, longer, no, there's right. no way we can change it's it. It's not convenient it's, anymore. Yeah, so. so maybe this is a good well, time for, uh, you, you know, apology. It's apologists. interesting. It's one of those cracks that we talked about or, or that we yeah. mentioned, that the idea that these third world ideologies, when, you're, when your morality stems from yourself, uh, there are signs that it becomes internally incoherent and, and unsupportable. So you have – so for example, look at all the rhetoric that's going around today about the abortion debate. How can you tell women not to – you know, what to do with their body? Yeah. All of a sudden, we know what a woman is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. Wait a minute. Yeah. When, when did we get clarity on what the definition of a woman is and, <laughs> yeah. and, and that she's the, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. the individual like, who carries the Like time out, right? Time out. Wait a wait, minute. Wait, you said I, women. I, yeah. The same people who are advocating for pro-abortion are the ones who are saying you don't know what yeah, a, woman a woman is. Right, right, so right. so here's, a, here's a crack. Yeah, here's yeah. something that's going on. Uh, that's good. Here, that's good. Here's another, here's another crack. The, the idea that sexual expression is, is central to identity mm-hmm. and it's, you know, when you start seeing uh, – you know the the uh, drag queen story hours at the local libraries or the elementary schools. Parents are saying it's not that central. <laughs> you know, I don't want I I don't want a, my kid to to pick up on that primary. That's not the main thing he should be focusing on is is his sexual predilections. That's mm-hmm. not what we want as this driving factor for our children. Polit- yeah. The the website Politico. Mm-hmm. Had a fascinating article just published about how there's so many internal debates and divisions within 
the left's own structures, mm. that even nonprofits, left leaning nonprofits, can't get anything done because some people want to be pure and, and, and they think that, you know, you have to be pro CRT and pro abortion. And, and they've got this whole checklist. And we can't have this person support us because he, you know, he may be pro-abortion, but doggone it, he supports Elon Musk for buying Twitter or whatever the case may be. And they're, they're, they're fracturing and they're dividing within themselves because ultimately, as you, if there's no extrinsic moral, then the societal morals start to disintegrate into individual moralities. Yeah. And everybody's got a different opinion. And so nobody can join with anybody else. It's been a fascinating thing to yeah. watch. And, so and that's actually say, hope. That's a hope we have, the cracks yeah. in the yeah. third world culture. Yeah. And I'll add one more crack. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I've heard time and again that they're good at t- telling stories. Yeah. But we need to know that stories with a myth as a foundation has a timeline. Yeah, any any story that's and, not true. And we have the right kind of story with truth as its foundation and truth prevails. And that's that right. must be our confidence as as believers in Christ knowing that we what we have is valuable that we are offering to people. Absolutely. Life matters, right? And and it matters to the one who is living yeah. and for them to recognize that that can that's the job that church has uh, God has given to the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the job of every individual who trusts in the word of Jesus Christ. So yeah, so in some ways this is an exciting time actually for apologists, for Christians, for the church, because we are seeing these massive cracks now, and we're not saying that it's politics where we rest our hope. No, it's in Christ. And uh, but we live in this world, and and he has told us to govern this world properly, and to use our wisdom uh, to do all of that. And uh, but the secular age, uh, we're seeing its foundations slowly crumble and slowly erode. This is going to be hard to get out of, you know, yeah. for for the for the left. Uh, like you were saying, Lenny. Uh, now, now uh, we're clear on what a woman is now. Apparently, yeah. No. <laughs> Go figure. Wow. It all took a Supreme Court ruling. <laughs> and I will also say that we need to recognize this: that uh, uh, a Christian life is one like going up on a summit. We have the destination yeah. given to us. Yes. There are moments when we go downhill. We we shouldn't be getting disappointed. But this seems like. We are going up a little uphill yeah, you know, yeah, towards yeah. the summit. We had that opportunity. Let's celebrate. Let's rejoice in that. But with the knowledge that we are in a battle. Yeah, there's a Our lot battle of, is against the spiritual forces. A lot of steep forces. grades ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So again, back to, back to the title of uh, our discussion tonight. I asked the question, can we resacralize a third world culture? What are you guys' comments on that? Yes or no, and I, I how? Think, I think God has, in the past, uh, resacralized a very pagan Israel. Yeah. And uh, God can do as God can do. That doesn't mean that there won't be pain in the interim, hmm. that there may not be judgment in the interim, but God can do that. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping we see that in our lifetime, yeah. to be honest. And I trust continue to trust that Christ is sitting at the right hand of God and he has made us to sit with him in the heavenly places. Yes. So, all right. So you've been listening to apologetics.com radio where we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. Our hope is that you've learned some aspect about the Christian worldview that strengthens your faith and make you want to learn more. So special thanks to uh, my panel, Jacob and Lenny. Uh, thanks to our engineer behind the scenes there that makes everything work Um, so special thank you to you our listeners so until next time good night